Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. If you know me at all, if you're following anything that I do, then you know that I care deeply about men in our generation. And I do a lot of speaking. I've launched a movement. I've written books. I've appeared on television. I've launched a website. I'm doing everything I know to do to answer the call of men. And I plan to do more. Uh, I want to tell you before I go any further and describe what I'm about to do, that you're going to hear background noise during this podcast, and somehow it seems poetic justice to me. I'm in our Nashville offices, uh, the Mansfield Group's Nashville offices, and they're tearing down a building right next door, a building that's been there for many decades. So somehow, I don't know, the testosterone in me just feels like it's fitting uh, that while I talk about some things we've got to change about manhood in our generation, you know, you'll be hearing the sounds of a building being torn down. I don't know. It somehow just makes me feel like it's all of a piece. I'm doing the first podcast in a series today. I don't know exactly how many podcasts it will ultimately be. But I want to talk about men, the challenges of men, the things that we're doing uh, to help men, uh, and just a whole bunch of themes that I think will be helpful to you. And today, I want to start with this podcast, which I am titling The War on Men. Now, this is not some crafty way to attack women. If you know me at all, if you listen to what I've taught about women and men, you know that I believe uh, that a righteous man celebrates the uh, accomplishments of women, Um, that this is not a tug of war between what privileges men get and what privileges women get. I don't think we're all fighting for a a pie of limited size. I, I think that what ought to be happening is a mutual encouragement society in which we're helping each other accomplish what we're made to be. I think righteous men should be encouraging uh, women in every way uh, to accomplish their best in God. And I certainly think they should be fathering girls that are, who are absolutely champions uh, and, and breaking through barriers, every kind of glass ceilings, doing all the wonderful things they're made to do. That is not the problem of men. Let me list the seven facets as I see them of the war on men. And when I'm done, I think you're going to see that the war on men is really being fought against men by men. And that's something we've got to address. Enjoy, by the way, the sound of rubble falling, both in my words and in the building next door. Uh, The first facet of the war on men, I believe, is an absence of engaged men in the home. The vast majority of men today do not have an engaged father in the home. Even if he's there physically, he's not engaged. And if we add the word righteous father, uh, very, very few men have as fathers present in the home, men who are living out a righteous code, men who are teaching what righteous manhood is, uh, men who are living a moral code, a spiritual code. As I say in my book, living for the glory of God. So the first thing that assaults a man, the first thing that damages a man who's attempting to uh, live out his life in in this world, uh, the first thing a young man encounters um, as a challenge to great manhood, as I call it, is the absence of a righteous father. We'll talk a lot more about that, but that certainly 
uh, is the point of the spear in the war on men. But number two, in the absence of that righteous fathering, uh, media and culture and it, their messages, the messages that come from television, movies, uh, y- you know, all, all of the, the great stream of, of values and visions and images that flood a man's life, um, they teach him to become his biology. In other words, if a father is not present to teach a young man a moral code, to teach him how to live for the glory of God, to teach him how to aspire to the the code, the lifestyle, the modeling of a great man, well, then he's taught to be his biology. He's taught to be violent. Uh, He's taught to think with his male parts. Yes, I'm talking about his penis. Uh, He's taught to uh, live out the drives, the urges, the capabilities, the capacity of his biology. Now, I want to say that a man ought to be allowed in the right context and with the right boundaries to live out the great potential of who he is physically. I got to say, I love being a man. Uh, I I love every aspect of it, from the sex uh, to the controlled violence of sports, uh, to the rowdiness, to the challenge of climbing up a mountain or making a historic walk or, or playing an aggressive racquetball game. All of that's part of it. But without a moral code, without an ethical code, without a righteous vision for manhood, a man being his biology is what leads to the rapes that we see skyrocketing on campus. It's what leads to the violence that we see uh, increasingly in gangs. It's what leads to the stupid kind of racism that we saw recently at OU, unfathered, untethered young men uh, turning on African-Americans and saying racist stuff that was more akin to the KKK a generation or two ago than ever ought to appear on a college campus. Well, uh, number three is that once this process kicks in, no righteous fathering, uh, a a boy getting the idea that he ought to be his biology, uh, what starts to happen then uh, is, again, my third point, is that boyhood is perceived by society as a dangerous disease. I have many times pointed to the March 2014 edition of Esquire magazine, uh, in which the, an article was done by a leading psychi- uh, sorry, psychiatrist um, on the war on boys. And he makes a point that many, many other experts are making, and that is that because our society doesn't understand boys, because boys are different from girls, uh, because boys develop differently, think differently, um, are more energetic and so on, Um, they are trouble in a society that wants everybody to goose step exactly the same way. Well, then what we're doing is we're drugging boys. Now, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not some evangelical Christian who doesn't think we ought to use medicine. If you need medicine to correct a chemical imbalance uh, in your life or in the life of your child, and a number of doctors concur, great. But make sure that you're not just drugging normal boyhood to keep it from being an irritant. It's actually one of the great gifts that we have. And this is one of the issues that is most misunderstood in our society because boys develop differently from girls. I don't just mean physically. I mean, boys can be as much as seven years behind a girl academically and be completely normal. They learn differently. Uh, They they need a lot of physical activity connected to their learning. They learn more from pictures and more from doing than they do from abstract thought. All of this is normal, and it's true of genius men uh, as well as average men. Our educators don't tend to understand it. Uh, Our psychiatrists tend to feed into that. And so many psychiatrists now are beginning to make the point that we're actually drugging 
normal boys because they're living out normal boyhood like we would drug, you know, with a, with a tranquilizer dart, uh, some wild animal. It's got to stop. Then, of course, because nobody understands this, number four, boyhood is seen as mental retardation. So boys are failing more in schools than ever before. They are put in remedial education programs and special education programs more than ever before. They are dropping out of school at higher rates than ever before. They have lower math and reading rates than at any time in the last 50 years. Uh, Boys are being increasingly seen um, as a set who are beset with mental retardation. And it all really has to do with ignorance of these developmental issues about how boys learn and uh, and how they develop and how we can best draw them to their best. And I'll tell you what, a lot of the reason for that is because there are few righteous men articulating the boys, articulating natural boyhood, um, and, uh, and somehow making a case for boys. Part of the role of a man is to make a case for boyhood and explain it so the world doesn't freak out when a boy acts like a boy. Well, the fifth thing that's going on in our generation, the fifth part of the war on boys, is what I call the guerrilla theory of men. And I've described this before, so I'll do it briefly now. It's basically the theory that we needed men when it was time to tame the frontiers and build the communities and build the cities and tote the barge and lift the bale. But... Uh, that when an information society arose, a computer age, a social media, media digital society, men weren't equal to it. They didn't have the aptitude. They didn't have the emotional sensibilities. And so I use the phrase, especially when I speak on campus, um, the guerrilla theory of men, the idea that men now, uh, having been only good for their muscle in the past, uh, now are like gorillas sitting in a corner scratching themselves and eating a banana. Uh, but not any good to our society. Of course, this is crazy. Uh, The dysfunctions of men are a function of some of the things I've already described and will describe, but men are no less capable of living in a digital informational age. Um, there are other kinds of dysfunctions that are working against them, uh, not, to, not the least of which is them believing the lie that, uh, of this guerrilla theory of men. So that's something that's got to be dealt with as well. Uh, number six is, is extremely uh, important to us, uh, and, and, it's, and it's one of those things that um, uh, really I don't think we understand the power of it because we tend to lost the sense of the power of ideas in our generation, uh, and that is the university view of manhood. Uh, the average university today uh, teaches in a number of its courses a view of manhood which is uh, that men have been the evil aggressors in history. They ought to feel shame and uncertainty about that now, that their manhood is itself an enemy to society. Um, and of course, that they uh, should bow out, so to speak, and let women take the lead. Um, there really could not be a more ignorant uh, kind of view to teach. First of all, it's not rooted in history. Uh, men were not only aggressors in history. They did not only do damage. Their, their manhood was a benefit to society and the, and the progress of the world far more uh, than the opposite. Uh, second of all, great womanhood 
uh, requires the protections and support of great manhood, and that's taking nothing away from women. Uh, Again, this is not a zero-sum game. This is a partnership. And men uh, need to be men so that women can be women. And in verse, women need to be women so that men can be men. And the idea that one has to feel ashamed um, taking on all of the sins of history um, and live in some kind of uncertainty and uh, diminished status is just silly. We need great men today. We need for men to be real men. And I got to tell you, the thing that scares me the most is the idea of a of a father sending his daughter to a college where you know, 10,000 young, strong males believe they ought to be their biology. That's about the most dangerous place you can send a young woman unless you have righteous men, unless you have a code, unless you have young men who are ennobled by their knowledge of the past and who allow it to send them with character and ethics and a righteous vision into the future being great men. In other words, we're raising barbarians by making them feel guilty on the one hand, ashamed, and then also teaching them to live out their biology without any sense of ethics or morality. So this university shame and pity, guilt and pity view of manhood is doing a great deal of damage. And then finally, number seven, uh, the, the great problem is that the average young man today does not have any accessible, noble male culture. Uh, This is what I'm shooting for in the movement that I'm helping to generate, uh, and that is that we are building bands of brothers, we are building networks uh, in which men are men, in which they serve their communities, in which they protect and ennoble and love and Uh, and their wives and the women and raise up great girls, but they also provide a tight culture of men into which we can initiate boys um, and make them into men, build them into men, make them noble, teach them a noble vision, defend them, and yeah, even get them out in the wild and teach them the skills they need to have and no, teach, teach a boy. It's not the end of the world if a nose gets broken in a boxing match or whatever needs to happen. But the bottom line is the average young male does not know where to go to become involved in a culture of righteous men living out full manhood. Used to be things like Boy Scouts, the military, et cetera. You found some of it. It's much harder to find now, particularly in some of the helping agencies in our society like the church. So this these are the seven points, uh, the seven strategic points in my view of the war on men in our generation. No righteous fathers in the home, a culture that says be your biology, which is about the worst thing you can tell young males, boyhood seen as a dangerous disease, boyhood also seen, number four, as mental retardation, the gorilla theory of men making men feel like they can't fit the modern age, a university philosophy that says that men should be feeling only guilt and pity about the past and thus should be uh, insecure and hesitant about their manhood going forward. And finally, that there is little accessible male noble culture uh, that is available to young men today. Now, I'm not just going to leave us negative. I'm going to stop this podcast now. But in the podcasts that are coming, I'm going to talk about everything from solutions to these things to the great men events that we're having. Uh, And I really want you to listen to these podcasts. I want you to distribute them. 
Um, I definitely want you to get Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, which will in turn recommend a whole lot of other books and movies and magazines that will be helpful, and it will call you to great manhood. And by the way, if you're a father listening to this, no reason at all not to put this on in the car while you're driving your young man to to school and listen to it with other men. Uh, This is not the final word, but it's an important word, and we need to begin to win and turn back the war on men so that we raise up a generation of righteous men who do good in the world and change the definition of manhood for generations to come. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and The Miracle of the Kurds. You can learn more about Stephen at stephenmansfield.tv and greatman.us and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell, who also wrote performed and produced the Rockin' Podcast theme song. Be sure to rate the Stephen Mansfield Podcast in the iTunes Store. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.